This episode of this podcast is making me thirsty is dedicated to Norm McDonald. Welcome to this podcast is making me thirsty, the number one destination for Seinfeld fans. This is episode 77. Today's guest is a Broadway actress, singer, comedian, and documentary filmmaker. She played Robin Sandusky in the classic season three episode of Seinfeld, The Good Samaritan. Anne Tallman. Thank you for listening. If you dig it, pass it on. Follow us on Twitter at This Thirsty, Instagram at This Thirsty. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. Thank you for listening. Enjoy. This podcast is making me thirsty. Episode 77, Anne Tallman. Welcome to this podcast is making me thirsty. The number one destination for Seinfeld fans. This episode 77. Today's guest is a Broadway actress, singer, comedian, and documentary filmmaker. You know her from Limitless, Serendipity, Wall Street. She wrote, filmed, and edited the award-winning documentary Woody's Order based on her solo play by the same name. And of course, she played Robin Sandusky in the classic season three episode of Seinfeld, The Good Samaritan. Please welcome Ann Tallman. Ann, thanks for joining. Thank you. <laughs> Ann, thanks so much for joining. This is, uh, this is a treat. We have a lot to get to, but so take us back. Um, 1992, obviously you had great success with Little Foxes and Elizabeth Taylor, and we, could, we can get into a little bit of that, but um, season three of Seinfeld, 1992, the role of Robin. How did it come about? Was there a... Um, did you try out for the role? How did you get the role? Give us a little insight into that. Okay. Um, I moved, I lived in New York City, but I moved to LA on January 18th of that year. Wow. And like a, a week or, or so later, I auditioned for the episode on a Friday at like six o'clock. And I did the table read the next morning. I got it. And and actually, I didn't, you know, I thought, well, the audition was so late. I'm, you know, I didn't check my phone for a few hours and they'd been trying to get a hold of me and, um, you know, started the very next day. And um, Jason directed it. Jason Alexander directed my episode. So I auditioned for him plus the other guys. Oh, interesting. And um it was wonderful. It was, so it was the first job I got when I moved to LA. Oh, wow. Yeah. You're green, huh? And, and yeah. so, so Jason directed, that's true. Yeah, that's right. One of the few episodes not directed by uh, Sharon's or, or Ackerman. Um, we love anytime George is uh, behind a desk talking to authority or eating is, is the best George. Oh. And, and you were at the classic George eating uh, scene. Yes. Um, you know, when he's just chopping on the, on the spaghetti, past the bread, past spaghetti. the salt, while telling the story. Um, yeah. So take us, take us through that scene. Now, you know, now that, you know, even though Jason was directing, he's, he's obviously acting in that scene. And, you know, that's one of the classic scenes of all time with the, you know. Um, it was hilarious. 
Oh man, uh, Carocio, uh, Eduardo Carocio. Um, uh, well, actually, the, that scene made the uh, outtake reel that they showed every year at the rap party because the the first time, the first take, uh, Jason hadn't timed it right, and um, he had this huge thing of spaghetti with the tendrils hanging down and he had the next line and he just kind of went you know and it's like flapping all around and I, and I said food fault food fault <laughs> it was hilarious and so he had to practice timing the bites so that he could say his line but um oh man that was that was really yeah and uh I Sneeze, and uh, the rest is history. <laughs> so yeah, what did uh, like? So just back to like when you audition. I mean, you just came to LA. Like, what did first off? What did you know about Seinfeld? It was still early days of Seinfeld. They were on Wednesday nights. Like, I, I, I had you had an agent. I had never seen it. I had never seen it. Uh, I know that it premiered on the night the war started in ninety one. I think. That was the the night it premiered, but uh, I hadn't seen it. I'd heard about it, and I got this very last minute audition. Go over to Radford, you know, um, and I just I got the sides, read it through once, and went in, and I got it. And I mean, because I just I got I got it, you know, like I understood what was funny about it, and I just did it, and and um, it was so it was really fun and Jason was just so nice and everybody was really really nice I think Jason was nervous you know um and we had a bedroom scene so his wife was of course on set and you know checking in between takes <laughs> yeah, I love the blankets in that scene and uh, yeah. the dinosaurs dinosaur sheets yeah yeah and and he had on boxers and I like and I had on like a, a, a flesh colored leotard with the straps pulled down. But um, yeah. And, and that's when I, um, I don't know if you guys know this, but I, I, I fell in love with Michael Richards and we were a couple for three uh, years. We were going to get to that. Yeah, don't, yeah, go right into it. Okay. That's beautiful. No, that's great. Yeah. Tell us, tell us, you know, you feel free, you know, let us know. We didn't want to go too well, far into how that happened. No, I, it, we're still good friends. And Jason and I are friends. Also, Peter Melman, who yep. I love. My we love Melman. He was on with us, one of our first Oh, guests, He's still a good friend. He's a really good friend. Um, well, um, the, I fell in love with Michael the moment that he was working out the convulsions behind the sofa to Mary Hart's voice on entertainment tonight, yeah. because he, I mean, he was, I think he's the greatest physical comedian of, of the generation. And he idolized Red Skelton, Buster Keaton, Laurel and Hardy, Jacques Cotty, um, Keystone Cops. And he worked it out like piece by piece. I mean, it was like a choreographed, dance and he has special shoes that he always wore that are safer and have really le uh, rubber soles and I just sat there completely mesmerized and I fell in love with him I just was like oh my god and um I mean we started hanging out immediate I mean it was like mutual I mean we just you know it was uh, 
So like, boom, love it for a sight. He's doing his thing. Funny, big guy, the whole thing. And so I, I don't know, you go up to him and like, how, do you no. no, no, I was really shy and stuff. But um, after, after a rehearsal one, uh, no, I, I lunch break. He asked me to go to lunch with him. Nice. And uh, I was like, oh, sure. Okay. And we just started talking and, um, and then, you know, that's how it started just like lunch. And then by the end of the taping, um, we, he was going to ask, you know, ask me out on a date and, and um, it was just great. And actually I was at the, because I was his girlfriend, I was at the taping of almost all of the, the rest of season three, all of season four, I was always at the tapings. And so I got to see some of the great episodes happen, like Junior Mint, the, the contest, Shrinkage, and oh, just, you know. It incredible. Was, yeah, it was really- so it's, that's incredible. The, 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 um, the, we, every single guest we've had on this show has mentioned that about Michael Richards. Every single guest to a T oh. has talked about how he prepares for going into the door or, um, you know, we had, um, Siobhan Hogan on and, and they do a dance and they choreograph the dance for hours beforehand and just how professionally he is and dedicated to he his craft. Was. Um, now as someone who dated him, I'm curious was, was that, what, what was, you know, off the set, that focus on the set and off the set completely different. I mean, it's just interesting um, that, um, you know, he had that, that um, it seemed like from what I've seen just from interviews, things, he's like two different people almost on set. He was this crazy guy, but, uh, you know, in normal right. life, he was much quieter. Well, on set, he was still Michael, but when he was Kramer, he was that crazy. He And, and in oh, real God. life, Michael was not Kramer, but he was, the consummate professional. And then he and I would hang out and he would study old movies with video, right? He would study a um, Buster Keaton movie, but watch it backwards, uh, like, you know, clip by clip and, and with me and show me how uh, a physical comedian sets up a pratfall like and, you know, he would watch it backward and he would, you know, narrate. OK, and then he does this and he does it and then he would do it forward. And and um, so he studied, he studied. And when he was I mean, I know these inside things when he was a little boy, um, he idolized Red Skelton. And he would get his mother on Saturdays to drive him to Beverly Hills, to Red Skelton's house. And he would just sit across the street um, in, you know, like on the corner and just stare at Red Skelton's house. And and he would say to himself, someday I'm going to be like him and I'm going to have a house and I'm going to, but, you know, isn't that amazing? Well, it's, it's funny. Yes. I've re- I've, in researching, you've done interviews and you've mentioned Red Skelton. Like he was yes. your favorites. It's funny how that you had that comment. Well, and then what happened was um, in 93, Red Skelton's uh, 90th birthday, or maybe it was his, yeah, I think it was his 90th. Maybe it was his 80th. He invited Michael to the birthday party. It was in Lake Tahoe. And Michael read the poem, The Clown, that Red Skelton wrote about his father, who was a 
clown. And he asked Michael to read the poem at the birthday party. And then Red Skelton did 40 minutes of, and I, I, because when I was a little girl, I was only allowed to stay up past eight o'clock on Tuesday nights if I'd washed, you know, brushed my teeth, had my bath, had my PJs on to watch Red Skelton. And I, I mean, you know, so I was like four years old again with my PJs curled up in the, the, the chair watching Red Skelton. It was just a, so that's amazing, you know, that both of us idolized him. And then I got to meet him and be at his birthday party. And he was the sweetest man. And Michael and Red Skelton both had lost their fathers very young in life. So that was the connection that Red knew about that somehow. And, and you know, so that was just really cool. Wow. I mean, just the connections there are incredible. The fact that he yeah. had when he was that young and, and just, you know, it shows the professionalism and dedication that he had to, to stick with it. Um, you know, so yeah. it, it, it sounds like it sounds to me like, you know, the, the being on the set, um, you know, from afar during that season four must have been a thrill. I mean, I don't I don't know. You know, maybe you can touch on some of the behind the scenes or one of your favorite episodes or something. Yeah. Like that. You know, you were a part of um, the, the trip. You're in the you know, you're in the scene where he's doing the dancing for the um, the audition. Right. Was that just yeah. like, kind of like, oh, let me hop in? Or was it, you know, was there other opportunities? I, I don't even, I, I don't remember exactly, but people have asked me about that. I'm like, oh my God. Um, but like, oh, well, one thing, um, when, uh, when he was filming the Calvin Klein model episode with the underwear, between every take, he'd come over to me and just say, Annie, is everything okay? Is anything hanging out? <laughs> well, that's sweet. My, you know, and he'd go, send me a signal if anything, you know, and I'd be like, no, the boys are good. They're safe. You're fine. <laughs> <laughs> and um, Junior Mint was an amazing episode. Shrinkage was amazing because um, they did almost all of Shrinkage on the set. I think that, you know, when they're swimming in the Hamptons or something. Yeah. Well, that was, uh, another, no, that was another Peter Melman uh, written episode. Yeah. 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 So, guess, yeah. so Tell me a little about like the writers. I mean, you were there like literally the prime years, three, four, five. So yeah. give us a little yeah. um, like just how the cast interacted, like Larry, Jerry, Melman, like how these guys like all work together. It must have been just an amazing thing to watch. It, it was. It was. They all were just so great with each other. They respected each other. Um, they respected especially that Larry David and uh, Jerry were perfectionists, absolute perfectionists. So, you know, you, they didn't go to the next shot until they had it. And that was according to Jerry or Larry. And, um, I never, ever saw anyone lose their temper, nothing. I mean, it was just a wonderful, wonderful set. Uh, Julia Louis-Dreyfus would always, uh, as soon as 11 o'clock hit, she would get punch drunk. So if they hadn't done the pickups <laughs> by 11 o'clock, they were in trouble because <laughs> they would, you know, after they did uh, the taping with the audience, they'd dismiss the audience and then do pickups. And she would just start giggling. And that was it. Like, you know, and Michael would be like, come on, 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 come on
you know, and she, she, she was like a kid at a slumber party when you just can't stop laughing, you know, that was really funny. Oh, and another thing was, you know, how Kramer's hair just kind of got bigger and bigger. Yeah. Well, that actually evolved because when you see the pilot, for instance, Michael's hair is practically greased down. He's, right, he's yeah. Italian, 100% Italian with this Romanesque kind of curly. And um, he would have this habit of just kind of like going like this right before take because he was, you know, just nerves or whatever. And his hair just started kind of going up and up and up and up. And people noticed it. He didn't really know that it was happening. And then the next thing you know, they identified it with Kramer and then, you know, <laughs> he just, just picked up on it. Yeah. Yeah. Right, and and like the entrance, um, I think once he thought he was late for a cue and he just kind of like went in and that's, and it was, and it was so funny and it got a laugh that that kind of started him on, well, I should make every entrance different somehow. It's, it's part of, you know, so that's right. how that evolved. It's funny, like Larry David talks about that. I think originally he, he was upset at all these entrances because it, it took time away from the show. But like Michael just took it to an, another level that he just embraced. Yeah. It. Incredible. Yeah, because Michael knew that like, even like with a song, if you say the same phrase twice in a song, it better mean something different each time. And like, you know, so he he never did the same thing twice, kind yeah. of. Yeah, and it's funny, you so... And the, the Good Samaritan is just a very under a very underrated episode. I mean, you mentioned Jason Alexander, obviously Spaghetti. I mean, Elaine is. I love when they're together. It's rare that when they're together, yeah. but they're eating. I felt like you and um, Joseph Malone, who played your husband, yeah, was excellent as well. It was a small like cast, but it, I felt like you guys were actually laughing out loud when Elaine. Oh was man, her story. Yes. Yes. Um, oh, and, and here's some other trivia about that. Um, Cause I listened to some of your podcasts, the whole <laughs> Becky Gelke thing. By the way, she blew us off. Yeah, she didn't want to, to Becky didn't want to come on with us. Though. She's a real person. She's <laughs> a friend of mine. Becky Gelke uh, is now Becky Gelke Baker, Becky Baker. She's married to Dylan Baker, but her, her, her maiden name was Becky Gelke and she used to date Larry David. Oh, when they lived in Manhattan Plaza. And, oh, that's when uh, Kramer lived with them. And yeah. so he used her name. And I told her, I said, I'm in this episode. Isn't your maiden name Becky Gelke? And that's when she told me, she said, oh, Larry, that Larry. <laughs> you know, <laughs> that's not wild. That's and and uh, Helen Slater kind of was a friend of Jerry's and just did that episode. You know, she's at the end. Well, she's the woman who hits the parked car but won't right. fess up to it yeah oh, that's um, no, melinda mcgraw is the one who hits yeah. the car yeah. yes she's oh that's right that's right oh yeah. and at the end um helen slater um he presents the check and yeah 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 and, and kramer yeah. got the girl i think on with that one back. yeah yeah kramer yes, <sighs> ended up with becky yeah <laughs> yeah but oh melinda mcgraw's terrific man she she was terrific yeah what um <laughs> I'm curious because because you know with with being with Michael during that period from between season three at the end of season three into four and five was really when the show took off um, ratings wise and and sort of got a much bigger audience. We were obviously 
you know, fans from the earlier seasons already started, but it didn't really take off yet. Um, you know, what did he, was he talking about that at all? Like, you know, what was the perception that he was having personally as far as like, yeah, like where the show Uh, was at and if it was noticeable that it was taking off or he was just kind of focused on his thing or. While we were together, he started to notice that people recognized him a lot. And, um, Actually, it also, like what you're saying, the Emmys started coming, you know, like he yes. won his first Emmy in 93 and he thanked me. And I remember <laughs> I was I was I tell the people this joke all the time, but I was sitting there, you know, knowing the cameras on me and stuff. And I'm thinking to myself, I'm so glad I'm taping this at home. I'll be able to show my kids. They probably won't be his. But anyway, and, <laughs> you know, because I, I just who knew. But um, like he started getting scared every once in a while. And that was when he like people would just come up to him and he wasn't used to that, you know, like, and he thought, wow, I hope no crazy person just comes up to me or something. I I can remember we were in San Francisco once and this kind of scary looking guy just came right up to him. And for a second he was, he was a little frightened. but yeah, the I was there when like all of a sudden they were on the cover of People and and all the you know it, yeah it just really kind of um yeah and they all got handled it beautifully too no no nobody got a big head but it's interesting the character Kramer like oh, again yeah. now Michael Richards was just I don't know like I'll never forget my grandmother in her nineties. You know, during that I was watching Seinfeld, old Irish lady, and oh, Kramer's my favorite. Just like he, yeah, yeah. he had such a connection with like everyone, like, and even on the show, like um, Mickey, like he was just related to everyone. He was kind of everyone's friend, even the the CD type. So I could see kind of yeah. these kind of nut jobs going up to him in San Francisco potentially. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, yeah, he just he he was lovable and uh, yeah, there was just something so quirky and yet sweet about Kramer. Uh, I, I I mean, I fell in love with Kramer, but I also fell in love with Michael Richards, but um, yeah. And there was something innocent about him sometimes. Like he would just get this look on his face and (laughs) you did just think, Oh my God, are you for real as Kramer? Um, oh shoot. I was going to say something good. And then I forgot. Well, so Um, so 92, you you like, you go on the set, right? Early 92, you guys start dating. And then his first Emmy's 93. Like, just tell us about like that night. Was it just a complete like whirlwind? Like, let me ask you this. Did he, he he had a speech. Jason was nominated too, I believe. Right. He thanked you and his daughter. Like, did he think he was going to win that night? No, he really didn't. Um, he we went to the Emmys together in 92, but he wasn't nominated. The show was nominated. Right. Um, but in 93 was his first nomination. And um, he did not prepare a speech. Um, I, you know, I was pretty much living with him at his house uh, in Studio City. And we just got ready, you know, and, and <laughs> we tried to not be too nervous about it all you know like we just tried to but um oh and 
Well, the first year that I went, you guys mentioned, I played Elizabeth Taylor's daughter on Broadway when I was 22. And um, she and I remained friends for her life. And so when I found out I was going to the Emmys in 92, I called her. I said, Elizabeth, I'm going to the Emmys. What do I wear and where do I get it? You know, and so she said, <laughs> um, right? yeah. me up at Saks for a private, you know, thing for, you know, she, Very cool. and she loved Kramer. So she she watched from home and was thrilled. Look at um, you, a, a girl from West Virginia, Pittsburgh, making a phone call to Elizabeth Taylor. Yeah. Um, oh, and and oh, and and in '92, uh, when I had just moved there, like I moved there, her birthday that year, February 27th, she rented Disneyland for her birthday. <laughs> wow. And and I went to that with my one of my best friends from home because I I didn't feel like I knew Michael quite well enough yet to ask him to be my date so I brought I brought my and I met um Michael Jackson while I was riding the teacups <laughs> <laughs> That's a story Yeah that's wild Um <laughs> Yeah no and she was a big fan of Seinfeld she loved it Really and then, when, I mean, Bette Miller went on and uh, Raquel Welch. and Yeah, she should have gone on. Yeah. She used to always insist on keeping her wardrobe, so she would have kept her wardrobe. Oh, and that's what I wanted to tell you. Michael was the one who started um, Kramer wearing vintage clothing, and he would go vintage clothing shopping himself and then show the wardrobe people, and they would use what he picked because uh, they liked it and stuff. He loved those those shirts, those vintage shirts he used to wear. That's very cool. Yeah, so, yeah. I mean, the Emmys was big because Jason was nominated against him, I think, at least two times, maybe even three. Yeah. And the show was up yeah. every year at that point, right? So, I mean, was there yeah. a lot? I'm assuming they were probably just happy for each other and, and, and kind of all kind of were together for the most part during that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. As far as I could tell, they right. were... They were just thrilled for each other. And Julia, oh my gosh, she she did so great with all that. She was won she, like a billion. Yeah, were there, <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just curious, because you were the kind of there day to day, if you will. Yeah. Like, and I know um obviously Michael knew Larry from Fridays. They they had a history, right? like I, I don't know. Did he ever yeah. come home like during like during the week and be like, oh Jerry's driving me crazy, he's not letting me do this? Like, was there any of that, or was it literally <laughs> a cohesive team and he was just always grateful to have a job and to be being paid to do what he loved to do because he was a real working actor for 20 years who right he did a pilot once a year and that would last him the year you know um he, he and his first wife and he has a daughter sophia from his first marriage and um he i mean he had to have odd jobs and stuff to make ends meet like he was a bus driver school bus driver and um his wife worked at sears and and so fridays was good but it didn't last all that long but it 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 um he was just always grateful and humble yeah i mean like i said before not every single person we've had on this show has talked about how great he was on the set to them, how great, he, how, how much yeah. he like dedicated to his, to his craft and how 
Um, we had we had Anthony Stark on who played Jimmy and he does a slip and a fall uh, in the locker room. And he said that Michael Richards, you know, made sure he was OK, had a mat, or could yes. do it himself, and taught him how to do the padded. Fall. Yeah. And all that he would stuff. add furniture. Yeah, he was he believed that you should never be injured doing a pratfall ever. And so he would have padding on the corners of furniture and all kinds of things. Um, he was which, very safe conscious. Which season was your favorite rap party of the, uh, did you go to all the rap parties? Well, the first one, because I was in, I was in the, they always showed a, an outtake reel and I, I made the outtake, a outtake reel. And that was, you know, that was it for me. <laughs> it was yeah. just, and that restaurant, you know, there's a lot of scenes in that restaurant over the years kind of. Yes. And, uh, but I, I don't often remember them eating spaghetti all that. <laughs> <laughs> George loves eating spaghetti. But um, it, it's funny. We talk about it a lot with uh, guest stars. Like the beauty of that show was letting guest stars shine, right? I mean, yes, they were so unselfish. So it's funny. Like you, you were on set for all those other years. I'm just curious if you ever had kind of side conversations with a lot of these one-off guest stars, but Hey, I've been there. Like any advice you ever shared with any of them or name some of them were my, they were my friends. Like a lot of times, you know, New York actors would be out for pilot season and they'd get a guest spot and I'd be like, Hey, how you doing? You know, um, it was great. It was, I was thrilled. Um, yeah, it was just, I mean, and and by that time, it was really exciting to be on Seinfeld, you know, for... Right, four and five, for sure, at that point. Yeah. Um, so, no, I just always was, and I, I would always be in the um, audience for the warm-up. There was a stand-up comedian, not Mike, not um, Jerry, but a different stand-up comedian. Had Hazel? Who, Hazel did yeah. a lot of them. Yeah, we had him Yeah. And uh, and then, you know, um, oh, this one time, you know, the episode where he can't remember his girlfriend's name, but it it rhymes Malva. with a body Malva. part. Junior Mint. Yeah. Well, yeah the um, the stand up comedian was in charge of asking the audience, he said, now, you know, this episode's going to be about blah, blah, blah. Can any of you think of names that maybe we should suggest they use? And I immediately said, Dolores. <laughs> <laughs> that was your suggestion? Yes, that was my suggestion. That's all that's one of the best delivered Jerry lines ever out the window. Dolores. Dolores. Oh, well, you know, stuff would happen and uh, like in my life and Michael would tell Jerry, and sometimes it ended up in episodes. <laughs> We're listening. And, like what? Yeah, and, and you, what you can share? Like, well, um, I I had to go away for like a month and a half from LA, and I had to leave my cats with friends who came to my apartment to watch the cats. But my apartment got fleas. The cats got fleas. My apartment got fleas. And then there's a, you know, Jerry. Well, Michael told Jerry all about Annie and her fleas and stuff. And there's an episode about fleas. Yeah, I think it's called The Doodle, that, that episode. But And then there's a one where Michael and I uh, used valet parking. And when the car came back, it it smelled funny, kind of, you know. And, and we just started riffing on it. But 
Well, we, we started riffing on, you know, you don't know what they do with your car when, when mm. they park it. You don't know. They could drive to Vegas and back. And, and unless you check the speedometer, you have no idea what they're doing in your car. And, and that ended up kind of, I think, a few years later, becoming the episode about um, it smells, it's, it's, you know. Um, That's another Melman episode, Smelly Car, right? Yeah, yeah. Car. And so- um you so you kind of you grew up on the like the New York theater stage. I'm just curious, was there any um like running Jason Alexander as well was New York yes. City theater? Did yeah. you guys know each other before you got that role? I'm just curious, like if, if yeah, we knew of out. each other. We knew of each other. Um, we had I had done three Broadway shows by the time I got to LA and he'd seen them all. So um he knew of me. Um, and I, of course, knew of him from Jerome's Rob, Jerome Robbins Broadway, even. I mean, I think he won the Tony for that. I mean, he he, he is so talented. Oh, man. Jason. Yeah. So I, yeah, how was he as a as a director? And listen, I've never been on set. I don't know anything. But, you know, how is he directing while you're in a scene with him? How does that work? He, he was outstanding. He would set up everything, you know, set up the shot and. And stuff. And then when he was actually in the scene, um, I guess in a way there, you know, there wasn't the director, but um, I can't remember now whether I think someone else kind of stepped in to say rolling and cut. But uh, he did a great job. I thought he did a terrific job. Um, And everybody was around like Tom Charonis was around and the other guys were all there. But uh, he held his own. He did great. And then, you know, he directed a movie about 10, 15 years later called Cherry Pink. Do you know about that? Yeah, hell of a film. Yeah. Um, And so, you know. Yeah, I I mean, listen, in a weird way, like Seinfeld, greatest show ever, blah, blah, blah. But like Michael Richards and Jason Alexander, like, for some reason feel underrated or undervalued in a weird way. I, I don't know why that is, but um, maybe this is not the Seinfeld name, but like those two in my, in our minds, probably the two best characters you'll ever find in a sitcom. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And, um, you know, Jerry and Larry lived, well, Larry lived at Manhattan Plaza and Kenny yep. Kramer lived. Yeah, we had him I mean, on last week. So they based, I've met him too. They they both wrote about real people. Like George Costanza was a real person. Right. And I knew his brother. Jo, uh, George had a brother named Joey, who I knew from Queens. <laughs> Joey Costanza? Yeah. <laughs> and and cool. they, so those guys were brilliant at writing characters based on real people but then they had the gift of jason and michael giving life to it and taking them way farther than i think they could have ever envisioned and to me that's that's the sign of a great actor but it's also always a gift to a writer when your actor gives you more than you even knew you had you know what i mean yeah yeah and for sure so comedy has been a big part of your life, right? I yeah. mean, I know you 
you talk a lot about your father and he was an incredible storyteller and a funny guy. Um, and we know you had it's well documented. You, you've had, a, had a, uh, some challenges in life, right? Yeah. But, it, it's, yeah. but in a comedy, what has that done for you? And like just being a part of the whole Seinfeld experience and, and meeting Michael Richards and just using comedy as kind of a springboard for what you're doing, especially now with Woody's order, et cetera. Yeah. Uh, um, comedy for me really came out of, I had an older brother who was severely cerebral palsy named Woody. He was a nonverbal spastic quadriplegic, brilliant, handsome, totally normal mentally, but you know, and I think that from the moment I have memory, my goal was to make him laugh. So I Mm. was just always making him laugh and doing wacky things. And I was a mimic and I, I just was silly. And I just used to love to make him laugh till he fell out of his chair. He was laughing so hard. (laughs) And um, Michael and I used to talk about, Michael started out in standup and, um, you know, he came up with all those guys like Leno, Robin Williams, uh, Kennison. and he got out of stand up because it was very angry uh, like and there was a lot of you know drugs and drinking and it was it was a very dangerous world and he had to pull away from it cuz he didn't drink he didn't do drugs and he found himself being too angry all the time but i do think that comedy also has roots in anger and pain yeah. because laughing really gut laughing, belly laughing can almost be angry in a weird way. Um, I don't know if, if, if I'm making sense, No, you totally and, are. you know, and, and, and even Michael and I would talk about how stand-up comedians, all the terms they use are like, Oh, he killed. Yeah. I slayed them. You know, like, you know, it's just all like, yeah, every um, every stand-up comic, even the clean ones, even Jerry. I saw Jerry talking to uh, Bill Burr once, and and you would think because Jerry's clean and you know right. he delivers like that, but everything he's saying is about being angry at everyone else and noticing yes. it and being like, why are they doing it that way? They should be doing it that way. And that, but yeah. he says it's so different. And Bill Burr's like, I hate Bill Burr yells. He does the same thing, but he comes across as a screaming, yelling maniac. And he's like, you're doing the same thing I'm doing. You just do it quieter, but you're still mad. You're still angry. You're still yelling. Yeah, it's all about finding what's annoying you, what's bothering you. Why is that person wrong? And then I can do it better. And yeah, Yeah. it's it's come from a narcissistic place, really. And when Michael and I were together, he went back to it for a little while. He'd do the improv and Bud, um, you know, encouraged him. And he was doing really well. But then he just got too busy and he used to have a shoe box that was called the joke box and he kept it under his bed and he would think of a, a, a something funny and write it down and just throw it in the shoe box. And then we'd, we'd get it out and just pull stuff out and he'd riff on it. But uh, of course, you know, we all, we all know what happened with Michael at um, later. And I think that, that that is also tied in with anger because Michael doesn't have a, a racist bone in his body, but he was being heckled and he lost his temper and he handled it in a way that I know he 
regrets and didn't mean he thought he was being funny, cutting edge, pushing the envelope, and it just all went to hell. But the whole anger aspect of that, I think, terrified Michael. Well, he just had so much soul homework, as I call it, after that, because it it was a horrible thing. Jerry stood by him. Um, and Michael really had to face his anger uh, through that, you know, and the woman he's married to now, I think really stood by him through all that. But um, stand up is a slippery slope, man. You know, it's yeah, yeah, and it's Agreed. it's it's interesting. You meant the stand up versus the Robin Williams and even you, right? Entertaining Woody, like. I'm just curious, was Woody uh, a Seinfeld fan? Would he ever? Oh, yeah. Uh, and Woody. Michael Woody, ever interact with him? I'm just curious. Oh, yeah. I brought, I brought Woody out to L.A. Um, for trips. And we'd go over to Michael's house. We, we spent Thanksgiving and Christmas um, at, with, with Michael and his mom and daughter and Woody and me. And Woody, uh, Woody really liked Michael. And Michael was fascinated by Woody. He hadn't really been around a person like Woody. And a few years later, when I had to move my brother to a um, group home for a while in Alabama through United Cerebral Palsy, Michael just donated $20,000 to United Cerebral Palsy in Woody's name. Um, Woody kind of inspired Michael to be more sensitive about people with special needs and grateful again for having your health and your body. His mother, his Michael's mother was just, she was so sweet. Oh God. And she loved Woody. His mother was an amazing woman. She raised him by herself. Michael used to say he was one of the original latchkey kids, you know, cause mm. she worked three jobs and, she would leave money on the table for him. And where'd he grow up? He grew up in um, in L.A. on really? Black Black Gelder Street. Is that is that um, sounds right? Kind of, yeah, um, kind of on the way to the airport. Yeah, he's L.A. born and raised, and Italian. <laughs> <laughs> his his mother's name was Philomena Nardoza. Um, and, um, Phyllis, she went by Phyllis and she was beautiful. He, so you mentioned, yeah, he much like we had, um, the Calzone guy on and, uh, Michael Richards did an incredible scene, you know, doing his Italian accent and throw the pizza down. Like he must, yes. uh, you know. Yep. Yeah. Everybody thought he was Jewish. Everybody, well, everybody, you know, pretty much just assumed he was Jewish, but he was Italian. And, um did a lot of yoga. That's how, that's another way he kept himself very flexible Limber, yeah, Flexible for the comedy was yoga. Yeah. I tried yoga back then, but I would always pull something. <laughs> <laughs> yoga, I, mm, nah. <laughs> I didn't like it. <laughs> he must've must done some extra yoga during those, uh, Calvin Klein, Calvin Klein episodes, right? <laughs> oh, man. Well, he, yeah. I mean, you know, people kind of just, thought he was goofy looking but he he was an athlete you know he was 
very healthy and um, never did drugs, never drank, uh, ate really well. And he now, he and his second wife, they have a beautiful son. And um, I'm just really happy for him. You know, he, um, she's, she, Beth Skip is her name. And I, in um, a few years ago, the LA Times did an article and they named me as his wife by mistake. And they had to like fix that immediately. <laughs> I'm sure she wasn't very thrilled about that. So any any uh, double dating going on with uh <laughs> No, like no, um, no, we've never, you know, like, um, since he remarried and I remarried, we haven't been in the same city to, to get together really. But, um, nah, you know, you know how your lives yeah, just, yeah, yeah, yeah. of course. Yeah. I mean, but he, I, he saw my documentary and, and really loved it, loved it, loved it. And, um, we we support each other like he used to call me every time for a while he'd be offered Broadway parts just all the time and he'd call me up and say should I do this should I do that and I'd tell him what I thought you know but uh, he really I don't think he's performing now no I mean like you mentioned I, I think I think eventually it'll it'll all wash itself out I think he'll get the the recognition that he truly deserves and that yeah well it is what it is, you know, it, it happened. <laughs> when it happened, I was terrified for him. I just was like, Oh God, I hope, I hope. Well, I think that Jerry standing by him was so yeah, important. Really Jerry's was. a great guy. He's a great guy. They're all great. Peter yeah. Melman, Peter Melman, when you had him on, did he, ever, did he show you, he does these uh, doodle. doodle. Yeah. We have yeah. talked about the doodle. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and and he did one for me. I have it framed in my apartment. And Oh, that's great. Oh, and one of the things Michael did for Woody was um, the very, the final episode, right? The very, very, very last one. Yeah. He went around and got, everybody to sign it and sent it uh, to United Cerebral Palsy and they auctioned it off in a, a private auction and they made like um, an unbelievable money <laughs> off of wow. it. So, I mean, that is pure, that's pure class. You, you weren't dating anymore at that point. I mean, that just yeah. goes to show you the type of guy he is. Yeah. Well, and in 2001, I was um, in a Broadway show called The Women. And I also stood by for Cynthia Nixon, but I was in the play as well. And I did, I wasn't seeing anyone and he wasn't seeing anyone. And, and so I called him up and I said, will you be my date for opening night? <laughs> he said, sure. And he flew in and, and I, like an idiot, I told him, I, he said, what, what, what do I wear? And I said, well, I think tuxedos, you know, and I had on a gown. He was the only guy in a tuxedo. So he, he, um, <laughs> he made me swing by his hotel so he could change out of the tuxedo because he was embarrassed. <laughs> but yeah, you know. That makes me think of another episode the opera. on set yeah. for the opera where the everyone opera. got a tuxedo except for except Michael. For him. <laughs> yeah. People yeah. wear tuxedos. I don't. <laughs> so, Anne, so tell, I know you mentioned a documentary and I know um, Woody's Order oh, is. A, yeah. yeah. So well, uh, you. Um, I've just written a cabaret because I'm a singer. I actually really started out singing and uh, I'm going to do it at Feinstein's 54 Below in New York 
it's about my 18 months with Elizabeth Taylor and then our lifelong friendship. And it's stories and song, um, you know, like American Stand songbook and Broadway songs. And uh, it's called The Shadow of Her Smile. And um, Lena Kutrakis, a wonderful director, is directing it. And Alex Rybeck is my musical director. And uh, it's going to be March 22nd. No, no, March 31st, 2022 at um, Feinstein's 54 Below. It took me a year to write it. Um, and it's I, actually, I, I talk about Michael and the night we went to the Emmys in the show um, because Elizabeth, you know, dressed me as usual. <laughs> she used to dress me a lot. I needed it. And um, so that's what I'm working on now. And I'm up for some, I'm up for, some stuff but you know you always you always say that when you're an actress because you always think <laughs> if I talk about it too much I'll jinx it so so where can, we can get tickets to that Feinstein theater or Feinstein's 54 below it's a cabaret venue underneath studio 54 which uh, uh, is now a theater um the tickets should be on sale pretty soon they're not quite on sale yet but yes all right, well, I should be I should be back in the city by then. So yeah. Oh really? Oh great! Yeah. Very um, cool. Yeah, I'm I'm really excited about it. Um, so that's awesome. what I've been working on, and just singing like crazy. When my when my brother finally passed away in 2018, I I did a, a self study grad school for myself, like and um, because. What happened was when I was 20, my mother died very suddenly and I sort of had to take over the role of taking care of my brother. Mm -hmm. And I knew that I couldn't go to grad school because I just couldn't. And um, so when he passed away, I did my own grad school and I just finished. <laughs> I think Congrats. I I think I passed. Um, so I, I, I was working really hard on all that and COVID, you know, COVID mm -hmm. happened but that was fine because I just I would be taking like Zoom classes every day. But you guys, I love your podcast. I love what you guys are doing. It's oh, just thank you. it's Tell awesome. More. <laughs> yeah, and you had Danny on, right? Um, yeah. Yes, yes. Uh, you worked with him in um, with Abel or or at yes, all or with no? Abel, Abel, uh, and I got to know he and his wife. They're oh, they're great. And were him boy, and Michael and close Greg. off offset? We didn't really ask him that. I don't think. Yeah, I'm not sure if we got to that. Yeah, they were. And they got along together. great. And Newman, you know, that kind of evolved after I was on the whole Newman Kramer right. thing. Um, Newman. But, <laughs> oh, oh, uh, you know, the bike that was always yeah. on the wall. And that The company that made those bikes gave each cast member one. I thought that was so cool. But they, those were really expensive mountain bikes, you know. Uh, yeah. NBC can afford it. You know that. <laughs> Yeah. Well, and this was, cool. um, this was this was a treat. Yeah, I mean, was, you, yeah, uh, very very amazing. You've had an incredible life. You've done incredible yeah. things. We're, I we're really super, have. Yeah, I, I, we're, we're super proud. <laughs> and um, and tell your husband we'll be rooting for the Cavaliers this weekend against North Carolina. All right. Yeah. Uh, but thanks so much, Anne. This was such a treat, and uh, we're looking forward to uh, seeing you at. Fine. Okay. Thank you, so much, Thank you, and I'll I'll stay in touch, and I'll watch your shows. Thank you so much. Thanks so much.
<laughs> Bye. Take care. It was great. Have a great night. Thank you.